Welcome to Running With Problems. I'm Miranda Williamson. And I'm John Eisen. This is a podcast about the challenges we face as runners from navigating our bodies, dealing with social dynamics, and facing personal trauma. And we like to explore the drama as well of being a runner. Yeah, today we have a very special hot take episode on the drama between UTMB's new race, the Whistler Ultra by UTMB, and the race that used to happen at Whistler, the Whistler Alpine Meadows race, hosted by Coast Mountain Trail Series, directed by Gary Robbins. Gary wrote an article on his blog detailing some drama that the entire trail scene is kind of up in arms about. And we wanted to get some experts in, or at least some people with opinions, to discuss <laughs> what we thought about uh, this particular instance and the overall um, movement of corporatization of the trail running scene. So today we have Caleb Efta, race director for the High Lonesome 100, and Luke Nelson, the race director for the Scout Mountain Ultras, in to talk about this issue and, uh, and its impact on the larger trail running scene. Uh, I should say that I do work with Caleb on a regular basis as the comms director for the High Lonesome 100, but uh, I'm unpaid and and I don't really think it has very much of a conflict of interest, but we, we do know each other. Um, I, we just met Luke for the first time on yeah, this Zoom call. Yeah, and a very enjoyable conversation. They were both uh, had a lot of intelligent things to say about um, this conflict of interests or conflict in general. Yeah, uh, this is a really hot-button issue, a big inflection point in our sport, and I think it's important to discuss, you know, how we feel about it, and how we want to react to it. Um, whether you agree with our opinions or not, I think you should take a look at what's happening in the sport and make choices about which races you support um, thoughtfully. And I have to say I was pleasantly surprised by, um, especially uh, Caleb bringing in a lot of different possible sides to this scenario. So I felt like um, it was pretty... Um, well-rounded conversation, even though everyone clearly has um, opinions and thoughts. I think there are also some nods to other possible scenarios. Yeah. Uh, well, we're not going to take too much time or unless you get into this discussion. Here is uh, Caleb and Luke discussing UTMB and Whistler. Enjoy. Welcome to our guests. We have two great guests to uh, talk about this uh, recent drama in the trail running world. Brought on to uh, race director friends, we've got Caleb Efta, race director of the High Lonesome 100. Hey, guys. Yes. And Luke Nelson, race director of the Scout Mountain Ultras. Hello. Oh, welcome, y'all, to this discussion. Thank you for taking the time. Um so yeah, I'm going to kick this off with a story of what's happened. So recently, Gary Robbins, uh, race director for the Coast Mountain Trail Series in British Columbia, uh, posted an article claiming some drama between him and the UTMB race series. Uh, re I guess I'll go into the history of the, the Whistler Alpine Meadows race. So this race has been around for years. I think they added a 100 miler in 2018, but been uh, going in Whistler Blackcomb for, for many years. And I remember 
last year, or sorry, this year, uh, seeing that uh, Gary had posted that the race wouldn't happen anymore. And that was something around like six months ago. And then all of a sudden, a few days ago, UTMB announces that uh, they're starting a race. UTMB, was it Whistler Ultra by UTMB? Is that correct? I think that's correct. Yeah, uh, it's a very creative name, I think. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, it's not, at least it's not Ultra Trail Whistler. <laughs> uh yeah so then right after that announcement there's this post on instagram uh i think it has like over 800 comments on it uh it's gary robbins posting that there was some drama that went down behind the scenes right so all we saw as like external viewers is whistler alpine meadows goes away and then all of a sudden there's a new UTMB race series. Now, we should probably provide some history on UTMB. They've been, over the past year, buying different races in the United States and Mexico, starting races in Mexico. And this is their first foray into Canada. They are a large organization bringing professionalization and money into the sport. And yeah, so what Gary claims happened is basically that uh, I'll, I'm, I'll link the article that he wrote on his blog in the show notes, but he essentially claimed that Vail Whistler Blackcomb, which is the resort corporation that owns Whistler, had essentially ghosted him. His contact there had ghosted him in the permitting process for 2023's race. And then when they went over his head, after about three months of waiting, they went over their contact's head to try and go to their senior management, and they got large regulatory hurdles in order to finish the permitting for 2023. And eventually it was clear that they could not finish the permitting and sell enough entries in the race to make it a viable race, and they decided to cancel it in 2023. Then they the, their contact was let go from with Vail Whistler back home, and... They tried to start contacting them about a 2024 edition, but couldn't really get any traction there. And then they get an email saying, hey, UTMB is announcing a race from uh, by Whistler Ultra by UTMB. And I think the comment in the article that I'm most uh, taken aback by was that Gary feels that, I mean, and the direct quote here, we were obviously being forced out. So there's an implication that UTMB may be involved from on the backside of helping Vail force out a small race by a local race director in, to get more, I don't know, cachet or money or a large organization in, or like we don't really know what's involved. I don't want to necessarily make too many assumptions here. We don't know who's involved when. We just know that uh, the Coast Mountain Trail Series race uh, with uh, Wham Whistler Alpine Meadows was forced out, and then or, or quote forced out. This is a uh, supposition by Gary, and then that UTMB has come in. Um, I took a look at the courses, and uh, I have to say they're about ninety percent the same, which is kind of uh, interesting. I mean, they're generally speaking, at many uh, ski resorts, just not that many trails. But uh, yeah, I'll let you guys take off with your. What are your y'all's reactions to this? What um, what do you think, Caleb? You want to go? 
Sure. Um, I, my initial reaction was sort of just like, you got to be kidding me because it just seemed like the worst possible way for UTMB to roll out a new race, regardless of the whys and the ifs and the whats. It just felt like it was another kind of like blindside moment where UTMB does something and doesn't really take a moment to gut check it. Uh, and then I started like trolling through the comments and was surprised at how immediate the response was by both Gary and the Pacific Northwest community and then eventually the larger community of just like, oh, hell no, was sort of the like abbreviated summary of almost every comment. Um, and I, I thought it was interesting because I'd seen like you, John and Miranda, I'd seen the post uh, that Gary had made you know, back in the spring where he was like, it's done. We can't do wham. We've tried our hardest. We've done everything. You know, and as a race director, I think I can kind of put myself into his shoes fairly well. And I think if I, I presumed, and I think rightfully so, that they had been exhausted. You know, they've tried everything they possibly could, fought for as long as they could, and the writing was just on the wall. And they were like, okay, it's gone. Um, I don't think there was a great sentiment towards Vale at that time in the public comments that people were making on this, a lot of people were sort of putting the blame on Vale. So when I saw the UTMB thing come out, my mind sort of jumps to Vale right away. I said, well, this seems, this isn't just a, a binary system, right? It's not just UTMB and Wham, and the Vale is sort of playing this awkward middleman. And on public lands, it's way different. But if you work with a private corporation, it's, Right. There are Double other check. things behind the scenes, like maybe the, yeah. name, the cachet of having a name like UTMB involved in their resorts maybe has some appeal. Yeah. There could be mm -hmm. other things involved here. Yeah. And then, I, so I don't know, I guess I, I was, at the end of the day, I was, I was just sort of, you know, annoyed, I think like everybody else that this was more UTMB stuff, but that, that predicates off of my kind of previously established prejudice against UTMB and their business model. Um, but then, then it sort of snowballed recently, I think with like, it's a little bit of a bandwagon moment. I think everybody's loving the opportunity to jump on a bandwagon and hate something. And while that does, it, it mirrors my general beliefs about the sport and its deeper values. I'm not in love with how this has been going down. In terms of the community reaction. Yeah, I mean, it is a reaction. We don't have much data. We've got Gary's point of view, which is a, a relatively, it feels like a relatively concise summary of a very complicated system and process. And then we've got, you know, some of the most corporate PR sound bites you could possibly get out of Vail, Whistler, Backhome, and UTMB. Um, and nothing really in the middle. There, there's not a lot of, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of context for us to jump on. Um, right. I think what's most surprising is just the fact that, you know, when, when this sort of came up for us in, in January of this year during our lottery process, you know, it's probably 80% was very supportive of the move, um, or at least very respectful of the position, even if they might not have the same feelings and, you know, maybe 20, 25% was, you know, this is crap. You're being divisive, you know, screw you, but I, it's been like 99% go Gary on this response. There's been like virtually nobody that's sitting back saying like, no, no, let's wait. What's UTMB story? 
And that surprises me. And why? I think that goes to another level as well. Um, with uh, there was a Trail Runner magazine article that jumped in the mix here. Um, that I think that that Brian, who wrote it, was attempting to paint both sides. Um, and 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 to me, it seemed as though it was pretty hasty. A lot of hearsay was written there. Um, no direct contacts, other than with the president of. I think Iron Man, who owns UTMB, who made some very, uh, I think, poor comparisons. Um, and and even the comments in the Trail Runner article, like, wow, people are not psyched on how this is happening. And very much siding with Gary um, and the Coastal Mountain Series, uh, very, very strongly, surprisingly so. Hmm. Has it- have there been, well, I guess for me, the big difference is, you know, with Desert Rats or Speed Goat or Grindstone, these races where Ironman UTMB are taking over an established loved race, the, you know, the race director is staying on, they are conceivably getting paid for selling their race to UTMB. You know, we can argue about the benefits of corporatization of trail running, but at the end of the day, it is something that will happen as our sport grows. And nothing really went that, like, nobody's getting truly screwed over, except for maybe if you really loved that race, you know, maybe it's going to change, right? But in this case, it feels like they took over a race and didn't pay for it. Maybe that's just what it feels like. And that's not actually what happened, or nobody intended that to happen. But that's what it looks like right now. Well, I think this is that's what this yeah. is all about is what it right. feels like, right? I mean, Caleb's, Caleb was <laughs> yeah. getting to, to the like we've heard what Gary has to say. I'm friends with Gary. I have no doubt that he's sharing as honest of his side as he can. Mm-hmm. Yet there's two sides to a coin, um, and and emotionally, the trail running community is invested. Like they don't at this point, we don't really care what the details are. It sucks <laughs> what happened to Gary. Right. And so, yeah. uh, and, and I think that the reason that it's so easy to fall into that emotion is, is UTMB's track record, right? Yeah. They have shown profit over people over and over again with their policies, with how they treat athletes, with how they do their um, uh, self-supporting qualification system. Um, all of that is putting themselves, the event and the dollars ahead of people in community. Uh, and that's the opposite of the approach that, that Gary takes to events is it's let's get the community together. Let's have an event to celebrate community, not to, and don't get me wrong, Gary's probably trying to make money as he does this, but it's not the focus on, on profits, it's people. Yeah, I think UTMB has a very, like it's it feels like a chain right like they're like oh there's no utmb race in canada let's do a utmb we're opening the store right that and you sort of like back into the community first you make all the business decisions that hey this is what we're going to do this is how we're going to do it where we're going to do it and then you're like okay well now we need people to come to this so let's start talking about community let's start talking about everything that comes with that and it it does feel like and i think luke said it fantastically like it's an afterthought and they're response to because they've they've been effectively doing this new business model since 2021 you know it, it's it, it doesn't have a good track record and their pr is terrible it's a 
abysmal. I mean, like you got probably a hundred to $120 million from Iron Man. And your first move was to like publicize that you're taking over all of these beloved races with like no warning, like no one saw this coming. It was just like, boom, we're here. And if you like harken back to 18, when Hard Rock and a bunch of other races, ironically, Grindstone and Speedgoat were on the same letter who eventually sold to UTMB. But at the time, they were protesting UTMB's qualification process and having to pay to be a qualifier. You know, and they called it the Ironmanization of the sport. And at this point, <laughs> and UTMB were not connected. And it was just this like beautiful prophetic moment. We were like, this is it's like too good to be well, true from a, from a branding perspective. And, and I, I think, I think honestly, there's just some cultural gaps between it being a European company in the U S and you know, all the language barriers and all the cultural barriers that that comes with. Um, but it was definitely funny that I, I felt like the American market was primed already to like be truculent with the Iron Man partnership. Well, I, I guess I, I want to talk a little bit about permitting permitting in the U.S. is such a difficult process, right? To to get all of the land managers that your proposed route goes through to approve not just like that you're going to have a race, but how many people, how much support, where you can have aid stations, how many cars can go through. Uh, so much that you have to consider when permitting in the U.S. That these these concerns are. It's not like you don't have these concerns in Europe, but there's just the laws there are much more are much better for setting up races and they're able to set up much larger races. So it's almost like, you know, when you think about the the European American difference here, one of that those big things is like the importance of permitting. So they they've come in, they've they've purchased a lot of American races, or not a lot, but they've purchased some, right? And they didn't have to go through that permitting process because those races already had established courses, established permits. They just took over the um the already existing uh grandfathered in permits. They didn't have to work like I know, Caleb, you have worked super, super hard to increase your permit from 75 runners in the first year to now it's approved to go up to 250, I think, eventually. And Correct. that is, that work has been done by you personally. And we, we don't really see UTMB going out and doing this work in America or in the US. And so to, to see them come to like a private landowner here for this race, take over 90% of a previously established course, right? It's, it's very, it's very interesting. The whole like permitting story here. I, do do y'all as race directors um, have you encountered these kind of difficulties in permitting? And do you feel like like the permitting process is part of the building of your race? I don't know. I think Luke should go first on this one. I mean, per per permitting is hard. Um, I think that's the first thing to say. In the United States, the way that the different land agencies' rules work that aren't the same, they aren't congruous from one to the other, um, it's, it's a truckload of work to get permits in place initially and then renew that on a either, you know, depending on what agency you're working with, annual, semi-annual, you know, every few years. Um, and, and your business hinges on that. Um, Scout Mountain, we just went through a renewal process um, for a five-year permit the third time. 
and there were things and we're renewed congratulations to us we made it um, but but it's there, there there's moments in time where it all hangs in the balance you know we could say decade plus of work building an event that if a land manager says mm, now it ends and you have no way forward right you, you have nothing you can do if they say no and so the the relationship with the land agencies we have to work with four separate agencies on our event um between forest service and blm and the city uh and then the state as well it, it, and it's probably when it comes down to like just hours of work it's probably two weeks of full-time work to get done but that's spread out over the year every year just on the paperwork so if we're looking at someone coming in and say they wanted to come and take over my event they wanted to purchase mm -hmm. my event um well those permits also have to be redone because they can't be carried over in name so I can't sell them permits. I can't guarantee I'm even selling them anything. Um, so that part gets really complicated. And that's where this is really unique with the Whistler event. That is on a privately held land, right? They're working with right. the, 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 the land manager is Whistler Blackcomb, right? And so they're making the decisions and they're changing the rules is what it sounds like. From Gary's point of view, he had things. They got progressively more difficult to the point where it was no longer feasible to do business with them. Um, whether that was purposeful or not, with what we see now, it sure seems so. Um, it seems obvious that there was something happening nefarious in the background. Um, but what a dream in some ways as an event director or a nightmare where it's not the government bureaucracy, it's just the business. And if a business is making decisions, they're making decisions not necessarily in a fair and balanced way, but for profit. And so it seems primed for a UTMB Whistler partnership focused on profit. And turns out that's not what the trail running community is about. Um, we celebrate. Oh no. Oh, oh that was such a good moment. That's... I know we froze. For our Damn listeners, it. we froze. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta oh, repeat that so one, Lou. Yeah, All you right. gotta finish your thought. Lou. We were hanging on it, man. Yeah. Uh, that's not what the trail running community is about is where we lost oh, you. So that, that isn't what the trail running community is about. The trail running community is about gathering and celebrating our achievements at events. It's the community aspect is the magic of trail running. That's what makes it so special. And when it's so hard to create a space that's not focused on profit, but focused on gathering people, that's where it's going to be. That's not what we're seeing with this with this catastrophe that's happening in Whistler. Um, <laughs> and, and then that's maybe why it feels so gross um, is, is everybody's initial response is like, well, I don't like how this feels because it's not what our community is. It's, it's, it's right. celebrating each other's hard work together. And I don't, I don't care that UTMB is making a profit. I don't care that any, but like, I hope that race directors are making enough money to validate yes. their efforts, but you will never, no, as Caleb can guarantee, you put so much more into this than you will ever, ever take home unless 100%. you're one of these gigantic events that's making millions and millions of dollars because of the size and the corporate relationships that they have. But that's not what makes it special. It's the people that are there. Right. Even UTMB, that's celebrated it's because of the competition but it's not the money and this is where the money's really getting in the way right 
That's what I find so interesting about all of this is not that a big corporation is coming in um, and pushing out the the little local guy. Um, that's something we're pretty familiar with, with the living in a capitalist society. But what is interesting is the community's response to it. Yeah, and yeah, that's that, not what they want, yeah. Yeah. And like small races seem, seem small races seem to be thriving. Am I wrong about that? Or or do you guys have a different take? Oh, you guys literally both made the same head, head movement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, what what noise go through Luke's head when he makes the motion. Mine's just sort of like a <laughs> So talk about that. Like, is well, it's UTV... difficult to say. Go ahead. I mean, thriving is... Um, in my mind, when I hear thriving, I'm like, oh, easy, easy business. Like things are just cranking. And mm. there's nothing about race directing that's easy business. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, when I hear the word thriving, I I sort of think about it in a slightly broader sense. And I look at it from like a scale and a sort of like momentum combination. And you know, momentum is everything in a race. You 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 start to gain momentum and you want to keep that momentum going because that's what keeps vibrancy alive. Um, but at the same time, it's really hard to maintain momentum if you're not getting people at your race. And what I've seen since, I mean, probably the past three or four years, but I think it's probably been going on longer, but it's just, that's probably when I started noticing it more. There are dozens of new races that are not doing that well they're relatively mm -hmm. new and they're you know they've got what appears to me from the outside at least is good bones you know the courses might not be exactly my type of course or they might be more contrived or less contrived whatever you know but they're getting 20 30 people and they've been going on for years and you know, years being like you know three or four years and, and typically in my experience like year three is when you hit your stride. Like that's really when stuff starts to jive. Your permitting gets easier. You've got some branding you can build off of. You've got continuity. People can look at your race and see what it looked like and decide if they want that. And you see a lot of these races and they're really just struggling to, to get past that hump. And, but at the same time, you have other races, you know, High Lonesome being one of ours is, comes to mind immediately. They just can't stop thriving. I mean, it's just, it's, relentlessly yeah. thriving and Love it's magnificent it's adore, yeah. I, I adore it for that uh, and the community is the sole reason that's happened um so i don't know i guess to, to me there's sort of a a mix of it it's not as cut and dry and then i think you still have to admit that the the big corporate races they're not hurting um you, you know utmb buys a race bastardizes the course and adds a couple distances increases the capacity by a thousand or two thousand athletes and they're not going home broke um and people no. are buying those spots so Speaker i added a second day of racing i believe when UTMB bought it wow yeah i know canyons this year had almost 2000 runners if not over 2000 i'd have to fact check that to be sure but i i heard 18 and 1900 from two different people who were there um which is just astounding i can't fathom that can't fathom being at a race that big and the interesting what do you thing from the, the race directing standpoint, when you look at the numbers, is it's not um, the cost doesn't go dramatically up by bringing in a lot of runners, right? Like your your bare bones cost. Of course, there's food costs and things with aid stations, mm -hmm. but like the bare bones cost 
is relatively similar whether you have a hundred runners or a thousand runners. And and so you know the, these massive scale events certainly profitability is is going up, um, and and still built off the back of volunteers and you know this interesting conundrum that we have in the sport where we to have community events you have to have community buy in and community work, um, and and then the the profitability thing becomes a really interesting pill to swallow. Um, I, I I agree, Caleb. That I think that races, at least in 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 North America that I've been around, there seems to have been a significant surge in the last few years of number of races, and not all are succeeding. I'm seeing um, a lot of struggle there, um, which makes it even more interesting. Um, the targeted choosing of events that UTMB has been doing, um, you know, picking, with the exception of of this Whistler event, um, really well-established, well-founded, well-known, highly competitive events, um, and then, and then changing them. Um, and, yeah, actually, and, yeah, I would argue maybe not for the better. Yeah. There's, um, there's a little race in Western Colorado, the, the desert rats. And this was always just like a super local event. I mean, I think some years you had, I don't know, like 20 people running in the hundred K like it was never a big event. And then to see that that was purchased by UTMB and it got like much bigger in its first year, there was a huge surprise. Like I'd always wanted to get out for that race. I knew one of our friends goes and volunteers this every year. And it was just like, now that it's owned by UTMB, do I want to get involved with it? Do it like, do I feel more attracted to it because it's now owned you know, by a corporation? No, I the answer to that is no. I do not. <laughs> uh, but, but there's this inter interesting incentive for people to get involved, right? Uh, or event directors, right? If you're that struggling event director and you're like, well, how do I get people to my race? Well, if, if UTMB qualifier is something that gets people to your race, yeah, that's the, that's the beginning of that of, of a slippery slope, right? right? And then mm -hmm. you start, in my mind, you start compromising your values to open up this door. Um, and then maybe you do get a few more folks. And and yeah. maybe then that gets the lens of UTMB turned to you and they say, oh, we want to buy, you know, the so-and-so's race. And for some race directors, that might be a dream, you know, cash out and and yeah. enjoy the that I mean, change. But I think did, there's Did a... you guys get into race directing to to cash out? Hell no. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm all in, baby. <laughs> You're gonna have to I've... pry me off the finish and shoot. There's way easier ways to make money than race directing. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I think what's interesting about what Luke just said, um, that I, it has some continuity in it to, to like this whole spectrum is, you know, the, the qualifying process for UTMB is why UTMB races in North America are, are you know, air quotes succeeding. Um, and it's because UTMB's business model is a carbon centric focus for running their specific races to then pyramid scheme your way up to the other races. And you are not allowed to run UTMB, which if we face it, with the exceptions of a very few other races in the UTMB portfolio is far and above beyond in quality and fame, every other race in their portfolio. Um, you have to play their game and their game is you have to first qualify by running index races and any race can be an index race. Uh, Luke and I could make our races index races. Um, but then in order to get into UTMB, you have to get stones. So to get stones, you have to run 
by UTMB races, with the exception being Western states, which is not owned by UTMB, but we're partners with them. And so if you want, if, if you're in the group of, of you know, North American athletes who wants to run UTMB, you're not put off by the corporatization, the other value stuff that we've talked about, uh, which is fine if that's where you sit. Um, you have to run one of these races. You have to run Desert Rats to get stones. You have to run Speedco or Estates, but you're not getting into Estates, so you don't have any options. So they're funneling a captive audience towards these very specific races, and that's their business model. That is the point of it. That's the Kona effect that they're em emulating from Ironman. Um, and, and Gary even talks about this in his blog post about talking to what, sorry, to, to sort of pivot here slightly, when Luke was saying like cashing out, like you've got, you know, you've got a, a business that's been a grind and you're, you've got someone that comes in and, and, and by the way, the, the, the numbers that are getting released from, from leaks on this is that they're offering three to five years of gross, um, for these races, uh, and three to five year of gross is a very, very fair buying price for a race. Um, and so you figure that these are people who have ground out years, maybe decades of work trying to create something for minimal gain uh, and a lot of stress and very, very few but profound moments of joy. And someone comes in and offers you a big check. Like, it is tempting, man. It's always going to be tempting. Uh, and I think one of my criticisms for UTMB is that they've been doing it that way. And one of the things I actually wanted to like about this Whistler scenario is that they were finally making their own race. They were doing something for themselves. And, and then it turns out that, no, it looks like they're actually kind of pillaging Whistler Alpine Meadows from, from Gary. So it, it's, a, it's all interconnected, man. They are definitely making new races in areas where it's easier to make new races. Like yeah, uh, not UTMB, North America. Puerto Vallarta. Well, North America is North America, right? That's a totally new race. And we had a friend come by last week and on the pod and he off air he told us about running that race he said it was like it's wild lots of not really trail and some some difficulties just like being in the community you know trying to it, it felt like maybe it was uh forced to like forcing to have a hundred miler in this space that didn't necessarily have the trail system to support it right and then you have in north america because of the permitting like just buy things, right? This is the easiest way to establish a, a our World Series. Mm -hmm. Well, building a race from the ground up is not uh, the 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 fast profit way, right? No. <laughs> I mean, any any event director, especially if if you're doing this on your own and you're investing and in buying all your infrastructure early on as well, like there's there's really no money to be had initially. Um, this is and standard corporate operating procedure to go in and buy things. Yeah, it's an M it's an M and A process, right? Merger and acquisition. You find mm -hmm. places that are already established and proven successful, and you use the capital which you've gained through your own success to then buy those things and, and propagate. Yeah, yeah, and the way that they've set it up to to feed itself, um, it just becomes this this money machine. <laughs> yeah, I I, I want to just toss in a quick data point that I find fascinating because I think this helps contextualize this. But Ironman. Uh, was sold in 2016, or rather bought by this group called Wanda Sports. They bought it for $650 million. That doesn't seem like that much. No, but then they sold it, uh, what was it, three or four years later in 2020 for $730 million. And they've, 
person that bought it is the person who currently owns it, which is a group. It's advanced publications. They literally own magazines, like a bunch of uh, big, really famous magazines that you would recognize. And their company group, Advanced Publications, had a profit of over $2 billion in 2022. So Iron Man does not, did not buy UTMB. It's a strategic partnership. Right. Um, but Iron Man funded UTMB's entire business model in, in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And they're not doing that because Iron Man or Advanced Publication has some sort of best interest in the community at heart. Like, this is the company that buys things to make money. That is their imperative. And they're a privately held company. So they don't even have shareholders to go up against. They're literally just, I think, an LLC even or an incorporation. So anybody who's like, oh, well, you know, UTMB still cares. It's like, sure, maybe. Let, let's say they do. Let's just say that UTMB itself really, truly does care for the sport. How do you take money from someone who has no care for the sport and only wants to make money and protect your values? You can't. It's just not, it's not possible that that business model is doomed to fail. Uh, and if someone gives you a hundred million dollars, you're beholden to them. And so your values are the ones that get compromised. And so there, there is no scenario where I think UTMB can insulate themselves enough from this and say, you know, we can grow at this pace, grow with this money, grow with the corporatization of the sport without having to compromise somewhere. Mm. That's interesting. So you're you're basically saying that UTMB may have had to make a compromise in this case to take over this race from Gary. We already know that they were talking to Gary and his partner to buy it to begin with. So they identified it. And if you look at the press release back in 21 when Iron Man announced, or so UTMB Iron Man announced that the the partnership they actually listed out the credentials or not credentials sorry they listed out the um sort of prerequisites for what they were looking for in these races and it was actually a, it was an intelligent list the list was very simple it was large-scale events close to major infrastructure points that had capacity for spectators lodging and dining for participants and press mm. um, and then they wanted mountainous places because obviously that's utmb's brand it's mountains and I'm fairly up to speed on the sport. And I wrote down on the back of a napkin, the number of races I felt like fit this that had hundred mile distances, admittedly. And I had three. As what were like, they? Uh, I had Leadville, hmm. which seemed like an obvious one. Not, Run Rabbit. It's kind of not that close to infrastructure, but okay. No, but obviously they've managed almost a thousand runners. So there's there's some, and it's close enough to Summit County that you could argue. Then I looked this at Run Rabbit with Steamboat because mm -hmm. we got a ski resort that they can hinge off of. That was a pretty pretty big one. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I was like states, but they already had this partnership of states, so put states off to the side. Also, um, states but, is a nonprofit, so. so they cannot be bought or sold. However, if you think about it, Leadville's already been bought by a, a corporation. They've already kind of gone through this process, got a ton of guff for it back in the early 2010s. Um, and Run Rabbit does not like UTMB, so they're not going to sell. So who, who's left? Like, and, and it didn't take long for UTMB's wheels to start spinning and started buying races that do not fit their brand. They bought Desert Rats. They bought... 
grindstone, which is not, I mean, it's a rugged race for sure, but it's not mountainous, not by the, the definition, at least of an alpine race. And so it, when I was looking at Canada, this is the tie-in, I was like, oh, wham, Whistler, fail. That makes sense to me. I've never been there though. I had a couple of friends run it, but I couldn't see Gary selling. To, like it was obviously so community driven. I was just like, there's no way that's going to sell. Um, and so it was really fascinating to see that, that they'd actually been approached by it. And that the driver for Gary to, to have that conversation was how hard Vale was to work with. And like, I'm in Colorado, man. No one likes Vale. No one. No. Like, no, no. So it took zero imaginative effort to, to believe that Vale was hard to work with. <laughs> yeah, there's not that many races on the results. No. Uh, actually, the, the, the one big one that I thought would be possible was the rut. Because Big Sky Ski Resort is all private land. That's actually one of the reasons why uh, the Montana. Oh, oh, I'm back. You're back. You're back. That's right. why the uh, Montana. Yeah, so that's why the Montana Mikes are able to do such a great race because they have basically no regulatory oversight from a land agency. They've got a a business that wants to work with them with tons of infrastructure in a beautiful place with an international airport. Like it's a slam dunk, man. Um, and they've managed to turn that race into something beautiful. So they wouldn't sell either. So it was just like, you know, there's not a lot. Of oh, Caleb's in and out. Sorry. I said, there's not a lot of places to look for races to buy in North America. Ah, so, so I guess uh, to summarize what you're saying, like UTMB may be a little bit more desperate than they would have liked to have been. You know, the, instead of instead of having race directors line up to sell their races, uh, it's somewhat been the opposite. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what Luke's conversations are like for capacity increases, but high lonesome at 150 runners is barely profitable. So no, no group like UTMB is going to look at our budget and, and our books and say this is a great model for us to buy. Let's buy it. Just not there. I'm guessing scouts probably not in too different of a position. And I'm guessing most races that are capped under 400 people in the mountain West are not in any different position. Yeah, we're at 400 and that's a, that's a hard stop for land agencies. There'll be no more increasing, um, which is, which is okay. Right. I mean, for us, we're, that's a good chunk of community to gather together. Um, yeah. and I, and I think that that's, um, maybe the, 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 big inflection point for our community as trail runners now is is where do we want to gather and who do we want to gather with um we look we look at at the things like utmb or states and and they absolutely are catered towards the elite professional runners right we celebrate that we see it as a great opportunity for them to go head to head and 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 really show off kind of kind of physical capability at that tip of the spear um but it doesn't mean that much to most runners right the the meaningful right. experiences that the majority of our trail running community have personally not when they're sitting behind a screen watching people run but when they're having their experience it's at the small grassroots events it's at the local gathering it's at high lonesome i got to experience that magic firsthand uh, as a pacer this year, you know, that's, yeah. that's where our community really thrives. Um, I've been to the other events as well. And I've seen 
the chaos and the circus and it's entertaining, but it's not the same deep celebration and connection that you get. Um, and, and, and that's where I think all the emotion comes out here is people great sports growing. There's more money, there's more corporate involvement. Um, but that's all thanks to the community, right? Mm -hmm. The small events that started way back when and the small event that starts this year to get their community together um to let that magic happen um and it seems as though these corporate takeovers take the magic out of it yeah so these you know people come to the sport i mean people come to the sport for all reasons right the sport is growing we're seeing people come who don't fit the mold of the ultra runners from the eighties and nineties and early two thousands. Right. Um, we're seeing many different people come to the sport, people who don't even have severe personal trauma. It's incredible. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, like, Speak so we're seeing it. a lot, a lot of different people come to the sport and I, but I, I think I agree with you, Luke. I mean, I know I find, the best moments in, in the sport are when I'm gathering at a trailhead and, you know, we're going to run this thing that we call a race, but it's, it's just like 12 people running in the woods and, you know, or it's a, or it's a race that's built itself over year after year and you cope and you keep going back there and you see the same people and you have, you're building out this community of just support and love. Um, these are my favorite experiences in the community. And I guess the, the implication here is that, the engine for these corporations is the amount of people and the amount of eyeballs on advertisements. Like all of us interested in trail running, we're here supposedly for the community. And then, but that is providing an engine for this corporation to come in and kind of maybe ruin or take away from some of that community or exploit it in some way. And is that movement in the sport going to come to a head at some point where we will, I mean, I'm not sure what's going to happen in the future, but it seems like the thing that created this engine of corporatization is actually, you know, not being fed by that corporate engine. And therefore it's going to slowly drain away. It's like, it's a leaky engine, hmm. you know, like, will people reject UTMB? I mean, I don't think so. This is kind of happening right? with this though, right? I think I it mean, is. Like, yeah. 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 I would agree. Like the response to this post has been this one Gary Robbins post has just been enormously positive. There are there uh, there are ultra runners from across the spectrum from every different community out here posting that they're going they're, they they want to support Gary and you know I have John Kelly posting that he's going to not enter a UTMB race. Although I don't think John Kelly was in danger of entering a UTMB race. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. Like there's, this seems to be a big inflection point where we're seeing that, you know, there's been a lot of grumblings. We've talked about corporatization of the sport. There's been, uh, there's been, I know Caleb has been on many podcasts talking about this and uh, now you're on another one. Congratulations. And thanks for having me. <laughs> so like this, I guess the word that you used uh, or that I used previous to this podcast was inflection point. It feels like there's something happening here. And I don't know what it is, but I want to be a part of it. And I want to continue to show that 
community and local community is the is the lifeblood of the sport and we should continue to support it directly. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that's um I think that that is the 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 thing that those of us who are paying attention need to decide. Right? Yeah. Um, it, it's a moment of decision of like what are we going to support? What are we going to stand behind? And and the easy way for all of us to decide that, what do you sign up for? Mm-hmm. Not just to race, but to volunteer at. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you vote with your time and you vote with your dollar. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In that post, Gary Robbins announced that he's going to create a race from scratch yes. uh, to compete with uh, Whistler Ultra by UTMB. And uh I know Miranda and I immediately cleared our schedules for September. <laughs> That's awesome. Perfect. I think uh, a lot of people are doing that. Hell yeah. Why wouldn't you? I mean, that yeah. is gangster right there. Like, I fucking love it. There is nothing cooler than someone getting bullied and responding with it with the let's bring everybody together. The whole village shows up. Yeah. Right? And you know what? The, res- <laughs> the response online, I mean, do their comments on Gary's post of like, can I donate? And I was like, you realize that's not a donation. You're just giving Gary money, which is great. <laughs> yeah, Gary's earned it, babe. Yeah. Hell yeah, he does. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying we don't need to put, we don't put a bow on this thing. You're just giving yeah. him an entry fee, but you're not running a race. It's great. I love it. <laughs> And I, he's not the only RD I've talked to that's done that. I've talked to two other RDs who both got approached by UTMB to sell. They both refused. And they both are going into markets that they used to stay out of because they were respectful of those race directors. And now that those races are UTMB races, they feel absolutely zero inhibition on going into the same spot and putting on a competing event. So I think we're, we're in the inflection point. It's not a mm-hmm. small point. I think it's a, it's a broad spectrum that'll take probably a decade to really dust out, um, at which point we'll have something else that we'll spend all these podcasts talking about. Of course, um, there's always more. Always more. But yeah, I, I definitely think that like, if, if Gary does manage to, and his team manage to pull together a race and it's on the same exact weekend as UTMB, like it's going to hurt for UTMB. Cause they're not going to be able to pull volunteers. The media attention is going to be different. Uh, the atmosphere is going to be different. You can't, it's like almost like a family feud, you know, like if you have two Christmas dinners, like yeah. it just, <laughs> even if you're both okay with it, there's still some awkwardness that goes into that. And imagine all the conversations you've got friends that are like, dude, you live in Canada. I'm coming up to Whistler. We should go run. And they're like, Oh, you're going to Whistler. Sorry. No, I got into Gary's race over here. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really fascinating moment to see how that race shapes out and how that plays with UTMB uh, on the same weekend. I also express some skepticism that this will happen because sure. as we've already discussed, permitting is hard. Yes. Uh, and I'm curious if there isn't a reconciliation in here somewhere. Ah, say- ooh, the, the conflict resolver in me likes that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have no no basis for this. It's pure speculation. But it just feels like, you know, if there are honest and good people on all three sides of this who want something good to come of it, that that will likely prevail. Well, what I do we get angry does... with if they resolve their conflict? Like, well, how do I, how how do I stand here and poke my flag in the ground and be like, I don't like all hmm. this corporatization? I've never really nice... had a hard time poking a flag into the ground. Anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> make up an opinion on something, John. <laughs> All tacos oh, should lots have two things. Taco lots shells. of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I have one one thought though, and I'm curious if I can ask a question so Luke and if if that's mm -hmm. kosher, Miranda. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Um Luke, you talked about this at the beginning. And it's something that I wish has come up in more of the podcasts I've done in the past about this topic. So I don't want to miss this opportunity to try that. But you you mentioned the awkward relationship between volunteers subsidizing the race scene and profit in the race scene. Mm. And I'm curious, you know, you have a, a much broader experience in the sport than I have as a professional athlete, as an RD, the travels you've done. I'm curious if you have any. I'm sure you have thoughts. I'm curious what they are about how you reconcile those two, how that looks for you guys in scout and how that looks maybe in a scenario more akin to what a UTMB commercialization might look like. That's a really good question. Um, I think first of all, the, from, from my perspective, and if I'm putting on both my event director and athlete hat at the same time, um, there's an immense gratitude for volunteers. Um, none, of, none of this happens without them at any level that we're talking about. Um, and our approach at Scout Mountain is we're a community event and it's our community that helps make it happen. Um, so we help create opportunities for those volunteers to rotate through and get their chance to run um, if they want it. Um, so priority registration, um, discounts, uh, things like that, to try to let them celebrate their running along with the community. Um, and, and, you know, we, we pour out as many gratitudes upon them. You know, we, you know, try to give them swag that's as good as what the, or better than what the runners is getting, are, are getting. Um, but, but from the rub that I, I still feel, uh, or the challenge is, at the end of the day, as the owner of the event, we may take home some money and those volunteers aren't. Um, and it it's always this balance of how much more can we put back in the community versus our pocket? Um, and that's probably why we'll never be a big corporation. Because <laughs> 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 we definitely give back more to the community than we take home. Um, and, and that's both by putting the event on and by donations and, and ways we support things in the community. And, it, and when we start looking at the conundrum of a big corporate structure running a race, um, the community still has to show up to make it happen. Right. And, and but if you look I at will that, say for corporate organizations can have partnerships that actually give benefits to the volunteers. Sure, um, sure. Like they get volunteer hours through college programs and yeah so on so yeah there's differences yeah. i mean but but even if i was to take um a race held in a similar geographic area to utmb and look at Tortoise Jean's, um massive event week long uh, i think they use between seven and eight thousand volunteers is the number that gets thrown around because all these communities get involved um and it exists again because of community um, and it's community pride and the volunteerism of supporting the runners 
when people volunteer, right. they're not volunteering to support UTMB or to support, you know, the event. They're there to support runners. Right. Um, and it's the community supporting community. Um, and, and I guess that's how we can sleep well at night is that the people are choosing to come out to help. Um, but we sure need to do everything we can to foster that and do that ourselves. Right. Every runner who runs a race should volunteer in at least that many. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's tricky. I don't know, Gail, what are your thoughts on it? I want to throw it back at you. That's rude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I also, I think, uh, I shouldn't say I, I mean, Kelsey and I are in this together. We both struggle with this a lot. I mean, we've never, you know, we've never viewed this as like a primary source of income. It's always been kind of supplemental income. And because of that, we've given it grace that we would never give any other part of our business careers. Um, but we, we appreciate that about it. And I think we value that at the same time, it, it's stressful. I mean, the first, first year of high lonesome, my credit card was declined buying bacon in the middle of the race because I was that broke. And like, people don't know that and they don't, they don't need to know that it's not context that most people need in, in their race experience. But I think it gets missed how how much effort goes into races and how much of it's not compensated and doesn't have a clear delineating uh, effect. Like we, you know, we, we mm -hmm. use things that aren't owned by a corporation to do things that are effectively for a corporation. Right. And so it's, it's, it's sticky. And I think what we always feel like is we don't do enough to say, thank you. We always feel guilt about that, that there isn't enough we can do to say thanks. Um, but people thank us for letting them volunteer. And that's just the most nonsensical thing I can possibly think of. Like, it just, it makes no, like people are just like, thank you for letting me be here. It's like, thank you. No, thank you. You're here donating your time, your energy, driving your car, bringing your own gear. Half the time people are bringing food to give runners because they baked a pie or something else they just want to share. I mean, it's incredible, right? And yet they're grateful. And I think, I think our, our sort of like litmus test is always if the community around us is as, is as grateful to us as we are to them, then we're probably in an okay spot. And if that balance shifts, yeah. then something's probably need to shift again to, to, to balance it again. But uh, it, it's a, it's far too murky of an answer for me to ever feel comfortable with. Like I like binary stuff. I want a black and white. And I, I would love there to sort of just be like an accepted standard of living that race directors and professional athletes and, and content creators can like look at and say, this is an ethical amount for me to make off of the sport. Above that's not, below that's not. We want to be here. Um, but like, good luck finding that. It doesn't exist. Yeah. No. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Yeah. It's and amazing. I don't think we could ever thank volunteers too much. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And I'll close that thought. And I think we're reaching our time here. But um, I think you both are creating a space where people are able to give their time towards a mission that they believe in and towards values and a race director's values that they believe in. And I think that's something that shouldn't be minimized. We just had a, a runner on talking about the importance of a race mission reflecting diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how we should focus on giving our time and energy towards races that 
put that at the forefront of their mission. So, and I think both of you all do that. And so that should not be minimized, allowing people to give their time and energy towards that. Support your local race directors. (laughs) Uh, Caleb, when can people enter and volunteer for High Lonesome? So lottery opens January 2nd. That's the same day we'll open registration for volunteers and for uh, all of our other races. So the 250 case we have in September. Um, and the lottery, I actually don't know the day off the top of my head. It's uh, two Fridays after the second is when we'll do the lottery party. Awesome. And Luke, when can people enter and volunteer for Scout Mountain? Scout Mountain 100 mile registration opens December 1st. And the other events are January 1st. Uh, Volunteer registration opens January 1st as well. Well, I encourage everyone to go check out those races. I I personally haven't been to Scout Mountain, but I I know I really want to. I've heard very good things from friends. And uh, High Lonesome is amazing, as as are the 50Ks that uh, Freestone Endurance runs in September in Buena Vista. John, do you need to do a public... um disclaimer about your conflict of interest oh yes i have definitely have it i'll put it in the intro don't worry about it (laughs) that's Uh, good (laughs) everybody's gonna be like he was throwing softballs all day long for the record i am a volunteer i am a regular volunteer for caleb's races i'm not he is our he no and but he should be because he's amazing so (laughs) well thank you Thank you all for being our guests today. I really appreciate you uh, sharing your time and thoughts and energy today. Yeah, this was a wonderful discussion. I look forward to seeing how this continues to play out. It was a pleasure to chat. Look forward to seeing you on the trail. Yeah, thanks guys.